Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. As always, I am your host, Claire Watkins. And this week, I am joined by Pardeep Katri to talk about quite a few NWSL games. We have eight NWSL games to cover. Well, we're going to kind of cover. We're going to go team by team. We're just going to go down the table, do kind of our funny little version of power rankings and uh, kind of see how everything's going. So, Pardeep, first question. Well, first question, how are you? How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing well. Yeah. I mean, I managed to catch most of these games. I was pretty surprised by that. And it was pretty entertaining uh, group of games. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. I would say that it felt like it does feel like we talked about this a little bit last week, but even in going into this week, it felt like the quality of the games are rising. We're seeing very competitive matchups. The, the three games on Wednesday night were a little bit tough to stay on top of. But those games were all kind of wild. And then we had maybe what you would call a little bit more quote unquote normalcy in this match weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. They saved the uh they saved the antics for the midweek games. Yeah, exactly. Midweek chaos. So we're just gonna go top to bottom. We're gonna walk through this table. Um, no spoilers. So we're just gonna go team by team <laughs> and see if you can guess who we're gonna talk about next because it changes frequently. So Obviously, best team in the league with the most points. They're sitting on 10 points right now in four games. As we all expected, your league leading Orlando Pride. Very predictable. The NWSL is so predictable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Orlando had a great week. They Their midweek game, they take Portland down. They beat Portland 2-1. to one. Um, There was a goal by Alex Morgan to start the match. Simone Charlie gets an equalizer. Sydney LaRue pickpockets Kelly Hubley. They get the win two to one there. Um, and then this weekend, they had a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more of an expected performance against Kansas City NWSL. They win one to nothing. So they get six, six out of six this week. Um, gonna start with the easy softball questions party. Are the pride the real deal? <laughs> well, I mean, they seem like it. I wouldn't. I don't want to think too far in the future because I always feel like I get burned when I do that, but I don't want to also bet against them continuing this form. I mean, it's a really good collection of individual people having great form and then the whole thing coming together. Everything's clicking right now. We have not seen that from this Orlando Pride team under Mark Skinner at all in any capacity until now. Yeah, they we talked about this. You know, we have talked about this. Um, there's even a good piece on the on the site about this, about how they've kind of switched up the philosophy. They're going much more direct. They've got Taylor Corniak. They've got, you know, that big, tall target forward. Alex Morgan and Sydney LaRue are playing about as well as they ever have for this club, you know, 2017 energy a little bit, um, especially, yeah, both, both players, but I'm struck by how well Alex Morgan has started this season because we don't always see that with her for, for club. Um, Truly picking up form at the right time. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing yeah, what a player like that can do great. in an Olympic year. Right. Yeah. Um, but the thing actually that makes me agree with you, I think that there's no reason to think that Orlando is going to slide significantly is actually at the other end of the field. I want to talk about their defense briefly because they are one of the few teams that are have not had multi-game or multi-goal games against them. 
which is a mixture you've got of the veteran leadership, right? You've got Allie Krieger, Allie Riley, but they have had um, Peterson and McClernand playing in that back line as well. And those are their young, their young pickups. Some of them from, I think from the 2020 draft and there's a steadiness back there that we have not seen in past years. And so if you say to yourself, okay, you know, Orlando is going to lose Morgan and lose Marta to the Olympics, and that's going to be an issue for them. And I, I concede that that is probably going to be an interesting period for the club. You have to think that if they have this basis of team organized team defense, they might actually be okay. Right. Right. I mean, speaking on the defense, in the past, what we've seen from the Orlando Pride in terms of defense is hoping Ashlyn Harris can do, you know, superhuman things. And when you, and she's been reliable, but at the same time, when you allow a goalkeeper, when your team is conceding that many shots, a goalkeeper is just going to give up a bunch of goals. But now in front of her, she's got a defense that it just, it just seems solid. The thing about the pride to me that's so different this year is that it just seems like a there's there's an idea there. <laughs> I mean, it just seems simple. There's idea and execution. There are people who are doing. I mean, the, the defense is putting in those putting in that work. Finally, it all seems to be clicking really nicely, and that's the thing that even if you know Morgan and Marta are gone. That's why I don't want to bet against them because none of their performances, even in the games that they lost during the Challenge Cup, I think they're unbeaten this season, uh, the regular season. Mm-hmm. But even the games they lost in the Challenge Cup, it does they've played well and none of it seems fluky. You know, they haven't necessarily won or won, won points from fluky results. Yeah, it just seems very concise. Agreed. Yeah, I think you're exactly right when you when you talk about how they've benefited from a clear idea. And I think that that is one of the other things, the other major differences that we're seeing this year. I will be interested to see, (laughs) you know, Mark Skinner gets roasted a lot for that art quote, right, about how he wants to create art on the field. And um, they're finding success with a little bit more of a pragmatic approach than that. I am curious to see at what point he maybe wants to start going back to what his sort of hopes and dreams were for the club on the basis of the play that they've already established. So we'll see if that gets confused. The other thing that um, Orlando has looked forward to is when they do get Jade Moore back from injury. And so that's going to, that's going to help them in their midfield as well. So yeah, I, I, I like the pride. I think that they're, like you said, there's a basis of reality in all of their results. Um, And we'll see if they can keep pace because we're seeing some surges from other teams as well. But there's reason to think that this is not, this is not a fluke. Okay. Moving to the the team in second of the table. This just occurred. The Washington spirit. How about that? (laughs) They also have a six point week. They traveled to Houston. That game that was supposed to be at home um, now got switched to Houston for this past Wednesday. They beat Houston Dash two to one on goals from Ashley Sanchez and Ashley Hatch. Uh, Andy Sullivan gets sent off in this game in the 50th minute. We'll talk about the referees eventually. Um, Every week. (laughs) Every single week. Um, Houston doesn't have a great game in that midweek game, to be completely honest. They did outshoot Washington. Washington was really on their heels for much of this one, but 
they dug deep and and they worked together and they found found the performance that they needed to get out of there with the points. And then they kind of did the same thing this weekend when they traveled to Tacoma um, due to that red card. They did not have Andy Sullivan available again. They were playing against Rose Lavelle. And we'll talk about uh, Lavelle a little bit more when we get to the rain. But they hang they hang on. Right. They they hold it together. They get a little bit lucky off of a corner kick. Uh, OL Rain's Karen Bardsley misses the punch. Sam Staub, love a center back goal. She gets the she gets the tally and that's it. Um, so for Washington, I'm not sure I feel like <laughs> their performance changed that much much this week, but it just kind of started to work, right? Right. I still I still think they're a little bit of a work in progress. Um I came into the season with high hopes for Washington. I don't think they've been dashed in any particular way. I just think they're slowly building to a level of excitement that we saw in last year's Challenge Cup and I think at times in the fall series last year. But the fact that they have that quality, I mean, they have a really good squad just across the board. I mean, we, you were mentioning Andy Sullivan. She only played 50 minutes this week because she got uh, she got a red card. Uh, but you know, further up the pitch to the two Ashley, Ashley Sanchez and Ashley Hatch had good games. They were reliable for them in that win against Houston. And then uh, one of the people who changed the game, I think a little bit against the rain was Trinity Rodman. Yeah, was, absolutely. Had a terrific start to her professional career. So it's not perfect right now, but I think it's just them showing it's an example of them having that quality and being able to still get those results, even without playing their best. It's a good, I think, stepping stone to what this team will eventually want to look like and play like. Right. I think you can look at that from both angles, right? Where you say, wow, it's great that they're picking up the points while having kind of these weird sort of underdog performances. Um, But you can also look at them and say, well, it's still not what they want it to be. And there's hope that it will become what they want it to be, but that proof of concept still hasn't been established yet. So I'm sure the spirit are thrilled to walk away from this with a full six points out of the week. Um, they have some work to do though, even just in terms of fitness. I mean, they're still trying to get Jordan DiBiase back in the team. Um, Tegan McGrady hasn't been playing as much. So I think that Lots of positives, even just in terms of, of roster culture and the way that they were able to really work together this week. Um, but no, it's still a little bit, it's still a little bit, uh, there's some tape, there's some tape holding them together right now. It's um, true. And I don't think this is a winning strategy for that long. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, right. Especially that game against Houston was a real anomaly. Even just if you look statistically, they got outplayed and they still were able to pull it off. And that was just a little bit, you know, that, that NWSL, that NWSL magic. So the spirit will be thrilled. They've got their work cut out for them though, if they want to stay um, in the top half of the table. All right, moving on to a team in third, which I think midweek they were in like eighth or ninth. (laughs) Now they're in third. (laughs) Um, The Portland Thorns had an interesting week, to say the least. Midweek, things were really tough for them again. They do lose to Orlando, as we said. Uh, They have the one goal from Simone Charlie. Really bad mistake in the back. Loses them the point that they were on, sitting on at that point. Um, 
a similar story though, in front of goal to some of the other losses that they had where they're generating shots, they're creating chances. They're not going in the goal. Uh, and then we saw some of that right itself um, against Gotham this weekend. They win one nothing on a Crystal Dunn wonder strike. Um, we'll talk again. We will talk about Gotham's issues. Uh, but yeah, Portland is another one where when they're really firing on all cylinders, they're very scary. But we've seen moments from them where it doesn't quite happen in that 90 minutes. And so they maybe look a little bit more fallible after four games than they did after say that banger against Chicago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the last time I was on here, I was saying things like, I don't know how you beat Portland. <laughs> and then they lost twice. Well, Portland between. showed you how to beat Portland, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's kind of funny to say it's like, I don't think they're necessarily doing things wrong, but they kind of end up being their own worst enemy a little bit, right? Like just watching them perform in front of goal. Sometimes they rack up shots like crazy. Obviously they have crystal dot score a worldie against Gotham. They're doing fine, but then also they're just really good at missing. They are. Yeah. They're just and that Gotham game in particular, right? That could have been three, nothing if they had put some of those chances away. Right. And it feels like that's the case all the time for them, that right. it could always be more. I mean, that one game against the red stars, it was actually more, but all the other times it's like, they it really just could be more. And I feel bad saying that. <laughs> I mean, like, cause they're doing it it feels like they're doing enough to get to score more and to get the points. And they're just kind of not, I wonder, you know, it's probably, I feel some of it is probably a little bit unlucky. Some of it's a little bit unlucky. And we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of a regression to the mean, because we had one big regression game this week, which we will get to, but um, when you are creating those chances and you are unlucky in front of goal, you always just have to keep telling yourself these will start going in. Um, obviously, they have a very young player in Sophia Smith where her quality on the ball is obvious, but she still is not maybe like a cold-blooded killer in front of goal. She'll work into that. You know, I think we all see the flashes of it. Um, and then, yeah, I think I just think that maybe if you want to criticize Portland a little bit, we can look at, you know, their back line is still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, Kelly Hubley has been great for them through this stretch, but you saw maybe what happened against Orlando and you think to yourself, well, maybe once Emily Mangas is a full 90 fit, that center back pairing goes back to being Becky Sauerbrunn and Emily Mangas that obviously without international duty. Um, and then I also think that you just have to look at the two projects that they're sort of cultivating right now. One still being, you know, we've had this conversation before crystal done in the midfield. You wonder if they're utilizing her as well as they could be. And then the other thing too, is they've just radically changed the way that they play. Portland was never a high generated chance. You know, they were never a shoot a hundred times and one of them's going to go in kind of a team. They were, we're going to shoot five times and every single one of them is going to go in, you know? And so it's fascinating to watch that identity change a little bit. Um, a lot of people will tell you that it's better to shoot a hundred times and, and have 
10 of them go in than to shoot 50 times and have four or five of them go in. Right. It's the North Carolina courage philosophy, but it feels <laughs> so unPortland. but I also think it's going to work for him eventually. I'm not, I, I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. With it. Yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that just develops slowly, but right. they, again, even they've just got all of, it all seems like it's in place. It's just about finding that final step in execution to really make them play the way they want to play. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and I think again, you know, Portland will be frustrated with the drop points in the midweek, but when you look at this difficult stretch for many of these teams, many of them played three games in eight days or so you look at your point accumulation, they'll be frustrated with the, the rain game and the Orlando game, but you get the three points. It kind of puts a bow on it a little bit. You go home and you start working again. Cause I'm sure that none of these teams had a lot of, of training time to help develop their yeah. style of play in any way. This was just about surviving. Um, I am still interested to see how this goes with crystal Dunn. Um, also because I think we'll, we'll talk about the U S women's national team summer series in the second half, but we're, nearing the point where these players are going to leave i believe they're going to be available this upcoming weekend and then that might be it for a while so we'll just have to see i think portland will be fine um happy probably to be where they are now in the table than where they were it's also interesting to point out the fact that these are all now just short-term projects because mark parsons is going to be gone at the end of the year yeah and I guess it just depends on who takes over after him. Maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be a, uh, a project that only lasts until October, November, but you know, it feels like there's an end date on these things. And I, it makes you wonder how much invest, how much time invested in these projects is going to end up, how much it's going to end up paying off in the long term if the long term isn't actually a very long amount of time. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we know that Portland wants to win everything. That's been their thing this year. And if they succeed in doing that, then it's great. Um, if they if they don't, then we'll, it'll be a different conversation because they're definitely betting on the short term. They're betting on the short term here while also, yeah, making some, some developing moves. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I'm happy that Portland has this, this narrative, I think. I think that it's great to have a team that is clearly so good also have some things that they could do better. It makes it a lot more interesting for us. Okay, for so sure. moving on to the team sitting in fourth. Now, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth are all sitting on the same point total. So take some of this <laughs> with a grain of salt. Um, but this team- It's is early in, days. Yes, exactly. But this team gets to stand above all the rest because of their point differential, or sorry, their goal differential, because the North Carolina Courage did only play one game this week, but boy, was it eventful. Th- this was the regression to the mean game, and, and we'll talk about that. So they beat Louisville five to nothing on goals from Abby Urseg, Lynn Williams, Dabinia, and Haley Mace had, uh, as we all were calling it, a mace brace. Um, <laughs> so you talk about shooting 100 times and five of them go in. That's what happened here. They, they um, got many shots off. That relentlessness was kind of back the way they were able to control the pace of the game. Um, it was pouring rain. 
I think that probably added to a little bit of the looseness of it as well. They have Sam Mewis back, which made a huge difference for them in terms of the way they were able to dictate possession. Um, Question about North Carolina. Did this go so much better because it was always going to eventually happen for them? Or is it because of the people that are now coming back into the squad and that talent infusion? What do you think? Mm, Oh, that's a good question. I feel like, is it a cop out to say it's a little bit of both? I mean, it's probably true, but yeah. If you really want me to pick one, I will, I will, I will say that it, it was bound to happen Yeah, because most of the players that, really were standouts on that night were players that were there already. You know, I mean, Sam U.S. obviously adds tremendous value to a team like this, but think about the people that stood out. Haley Mace, Debinia always, right. Lynn Williams again, you know, Jess McDonald had a good game too. These are people that were there. So, you know, it, it just felt like they wanted to, it was just a matter of them waking up one day and saying, let's just go com- do a murder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry um, for the morbid. <laughs> yeah. No, but- it's, it's true. I mean, Carson Pickett also had a very good game and, yes. and she has, she's been with them since the beginning of the season. I agree. I agree that this was always going to happen. North Carolina always looked good. I think um, obviously getting Sam Mewis back helps getting Abby Ursig back. She was working her way back from injury also helps. Um, I thought Denise O'Sullivan had a good game. I think it's just the courage kind of played the way that they've wanted to. And I think that maybe is the other thing is the courage are such mentality monsters. They are 100% buy in no doubt, no fear, no finish line. Right. And I think it took them a while to get that back. And I don't know if that was just, they needed a game where everything was clicking or it was getting some of your heavy hitters back into the starting 11. I don't know if it was just the conversations they were having in the locker room. Just like, we need to figure this out quickly. We need to get back to our old, our old ways. But yeah, I think that the thing that struck me as feeling a little bit different was the pace of the game and the way they were able to successfully control that. Um, And we will get to the Louisville part, but Louisville really just kind of let them (laughs) do what they wanted to do when I feel like when the North Carolina courage shows up like that, the it's hard to do anything, but let them do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I will say this was also the first game where we'd had this conversation about what, what do the courage look like without crystal Dunn, And, and what we've seen over the, you know, from the beginning of the challenge cup till now was a team that was good. um, But, wasn't quite clicking in that same way. We saw a team that was still figuring out their outside backs and it just took them some time. But yeah, I think that it just, they played exactly like the courage. It was even, it reminded me of those um, 2018 games as well, because they were up one to nothing at the half (laughs) and you're like, this is going to change. And then the next goal game came and then the next goal came and the next goal came. The one other nice thing about getting Mewis back in there though, is that Haley Mace got to play in a position that fits her a little bit better. And that's a funny player as well, because she had some performances earlier this year where you're like, what exactly is going on with Haley Mace here? And then you're just like, oh, well, she was being played out of position. (laughs) 
that's all it was. (laughs) So, um, they have to be happy with that. Yeah. I I don't think that, you know, fourth, isn't going to cut it for them. Right. They're going to want to do better than that, but that was definitely a bit of a beacon to the rest of the league that the courage should not be written off. And they also plan to win everything they possibly can. How disheartening for everyone else. Exactly. Right. You're like, you know, we talk about Portland being so good and we talk about the pride having a good start and all of that sort of stuff. And the courage are like, and we're still the courage. And you're like, how is there room for all of these good teams? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the NWSL. Um, all right. Final team of this segment. We're going to talk about the team in fifth. They also have four points. They are sitting on an even goal differential at the moment. Um, Gotham. So Gotham is not in the bottom of the table, right? They're right in the middle. I thought they are another team that just played one. They've got, they've played one game this week. So they've actually played one fewer games than um, some of the other teams on the table. Uh, Today's game, this weekend's game was not great from them. And you start to wonder a little bit if all the good vibes from the challenge cup was a little bit of a lightning strike and maybe they're going to struggle um, as the weeks progress or am I overreacting? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. You, you're full of good questions. Uh, <laughs> I think I've answered that to like at least three of your questions today, but uh, yeah, I feel like maybe something like this was coming from them. Eventually. I, I think it's pretty clear that they're not one of the best teams in the league, which that's not to say, I mean, that's not necessarily a horrible thing. Uh, But at a certain point, other teams were going to start exposing some of their weaknesses. They remain inconsistent. I think in front of goal, that's an issue. Defensively, they're fine, but, I don't know, today, uh, the, the game against the Thorns, it didn't feel like a complete package for them at all. And that's something that now for a number of years, and that includes, if we, if we just want to talk about the Freya Kuhn, uh period, right. that's something that they have struggled with the entire time she's been there is just consistency. And maybe that's something that will play out again this year. There good at times they're not so good at times being fifth probably seems right for a team that can't pick and choose when they want to be good and when they uh, and when they don't want to be good I guess yeah I I think that's fair I um the the thing that kind of worries me about Gotham is that I think the game this weekend could have been worse I think that the one nothing scoreline was a little bit flattering actually but also in their defense they had a couple shots that they, they could have been one, one, or it could have been two, one. Um, it's like both are true. Um, when you see a team consistently, and I'm just talking about the defense, when you see a team consistently outperforming their statistical numbers, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about the regression games, right? Gotham hasn't has had theirs yet. Um, this was not it, even though they, they lost this game, this was actually probably not the, quote unquote, like mathematically correct regression game for them. That might be giving up two, three, four goals because their XG against is so poor. And you saw 
uh, today you saw, you know, Sophia Smith have an open look on goal. Kaylin Sheridan had a really good match again. She kept them, kept that scoreline respectable. Um, I don't know with the personnel that they have in the back that this is going to continue though. Also it is perhaps they truly are blessed and <laughs> it's yeah, something caught. Maybe it's something cosmic and <laughs> it's something. Everything <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what happens at training. Something secret might be happening there. Who knows? Yeah, right. um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. They may, they played Midge purse at right back, which also I just don't think is their, their best lineup. I agree. Um, but they're getting those players ready for, for the possibility of Olympics. That seems pretty clear. You know, they started Carly Lloyd at the nine, they started Mitch Purse right back. And uh, those are considerations that you got to take sometimes, I guess. So that is the top half of the NWSL table. Uh, congrats to Orlando, Washington, Portland, North Carolina, and New Jersey, New York. We will talk about the other five teams and talk a little bit of us women's national team after the break. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. I'm joined this week by Pardeep Katri. We will get to the bottom half of the NWSL table in a second. But first, obviously, I got to do it. I do it every week. Uh, Rate and review this podcast, everybody, on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review. It helps people find us as we try to grow and then talk women's soccer in as many spaces as we possibly can. So looking briefly at the U.S. Women's National Team, they did announce their 23-player roster for, they're calling it the Summer Series. <laughs> Love a series. Uh, not a, a name. Exactly. Not, not a Tournament of Nations uh, officially, but a, a Summer Series as they get ready to go to Tokyo for the Olympics. And they're making, this is it, probably. So this is probably the shortlist for the 18-player uh, Tokyo roster. So just give us a quick rundown of the names here. So for goalkeepers, we have Jane Campbell, Adriana French, and Alyssa Nair. For defenders, Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkember, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Midge Purse, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Emily Sonnet. For midfielders, we have Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Katarina Macario, Christy Mewis, Samantha Mewis, and Andy Sullivan. Um, obviously Julie Ertz is still out with that MCL sprain. They, an update on hers. They said that she is jogging, but that's as far as she's gotten so far. And for forwards, there's Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Kristen press, Megan Rapino, Sophia Smith, and Lynn Williams. They also mentioned that Tobin Heath is a little bit further along and she will be joining camp as a training player as they try to get her ready as well for the Olympic, for the possibility of making the Olympic roster. Uh, Anything, anything, uh, you know, stick out to you party or does this just, you look at it and you say, well, that sure is a roster. Yeah. I mean, it's the same old, probably the big development is that Tobin Heath is healthy enough to train with the team. We haven't had updates on her in a while. I had no, I mean, I just didn't know her status at all. So it's good to know that she can join them for that. I don't know if that means she'll be at the Olympics, but that's obviously a positive development. And really what the big change here is that 80 French is back. Yeah, I think so. I think that we've seen in terms of clarity um, sounds like a decision made on Ashlyn Harris, right? She is not in this player pool. 80 French is, you have to think that these are the three players who will be going to Tokyo. The question is just who is the alternate and who is actually on the roster. I think French on here makes a lot of sense. And I've in, in my book, I think that she is almost a dead ringer for that number two spot, right? She's been playing so well. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she, I wonder if Jane Campbell has put in the hours though, right? just because French was out. But I mean, if you're going on recent form alone, French is the pick. Yeah. Um, right. I think that every time we talk about this team, it's a two we're saying two things at the same time. We're saying <laughs> what we would do. And then we're saying what we think the U S will do. And those are <laughs> yeah. not always the same thing. Um, there's always extra considerations in here. I will say for me, I think that it's the same analysis as I thought maybe even, you know, three, six months ago, which is that they're probably making a decision on like one player per line. So I think they're making a decision on maybe like one defender spot between three or so players, one midfielder spot between two players and one forward spot between two or three players. And I think that, um, It'll be interesting to see who plays because those are probably, you would think the players that are fighting for those spots, but this is also their opportunity to start gelling the team that they know is going. Um, So yeah, I think we could, well, once the actual roster drops, we'll argue, we'll argue all day about, Oh, finally we'll have something new to talk about. (laughs) Right. That would be like, did Carly Lloyd do enough or, you know, Lynn Williams or, or anything like that. So we'll see. Um, Eyes on Heath, eyes on Ertz, right? They brought Andy Sullivan in as an Ertz replacement, a like-for-like Ertz replacement. Really interested to see what they decide to do based on where Ertz's fitness is. But um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about those summer series games as they come up. But that's your short list. It will be whittled down to 18. Hearts will break. Dreams will come true. Um, And we'll talk about that when it happens. So... (laughs) (laughs) going back to the league uh we have five more nwsl teams to talk about uh so this is the part of the table where things get a little bit more complicated maybe right probably going to talk about some good stuff talk about some less good stuff too early in the season for anything for any sort of doom for these teams but still a little bit more of a conversation of what they could do better so in sixth which as a reminder is currently the final playoff spot you only have to make sixth place to make it into a playoff spot this year we have the houston dash who dropped a result and got a result this week uh we talked about how they dropped that result against washington they were very upset about that they said that in the post game i think they said uh, specifically that they were pissed (laughs) they didn't feel like they had played houston dash soccer on Wednesday and they wanted to get back to their identity, especially at home, which I think they mostly did in their weekend game. We're going to talk about this game because I think that it's probably that and the OL rain Washington game, probably the two most closely contested matches of this week. And Houston looked, it's funny because Houston theoretically statistically played better in the Washington game and they lost. And then they were slightly outplayed by Chicago this weekend and they won. So part of that is just kind of laughing at the sport of soccer, but (laughs) some of it too, you're thinking, okay, so Houston has yet to play really well and win. So maybe that sort of a similar thing to Washington perhaps, right. Where we're still kind of formulating, still coming together. Right. Yeah. On average, it works out nicely for them, but uh, yeah, I think, they're just another one of those teams that remain that is a work in progress and is just inconsistent 
Mm-hmm. I yeah, they're kind of weird. I yeah. don't know. I've just fa- I have found the dash on the underwhelming side, but I think I think I saw signs of encouragement again in their game against the Reds, or actually in both games this week. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe things will pick up for the dash, but yeah, I just, I didn't think, and I think not until this moment, I realized, I didn't realize how underwhelmed I was by that. <laughs> I, I kind of adored the game against Chicago um, in that there are things that they do so well. There's something about the identity of that team where they're, they're very aggressive or they were in that game. I think one of the things they were frustrated with themselves on in the Washington game is that they thought they could have been more aggressive and more engaged. That's a team that kind of lives and dies on that high press sort of getting a toe in harassing the other team, getting the other team rattled and then sort of feeding off of that and and getting goals. And they didn't feel like they did that enough against Washington. Obviously they were disappointed to lose a match when they were up a player, right. For much of the second half. Um, They did that much better against Chicago, but I think sometimes the individual performances let them down. And I specifically am maybe looking at Nichelle. Well, this is the opposite. Nichelle Prince, I think has been great. And I think that she um, is someone who she scores an amazing strike. It was like a Schross sort of a goal. Very, very uh, audacious against the red stars. And it's so funny because she had just missed a sitter like, five minutes yeah. prior and so you have a player like that who you think okay she's going to be fine that is not going to be a, an ongoing issue for her because she's creating the chances she's getting in on goal she's missing some easy ones we talk about that regression moment she was due for a goal and that goal was coming no matter what and it came in that fashion so you think okay great that's going really well you look at a player like christy Mewis, who they missed very much on wednesday they sat her to rest her for the chicago game not as effective without her on the field. They don't know if she's going to Tokyo or not. So it'll, we don't know exactly if she'll be available to the team um, during the international uh, period or not. She is another player that didn't have an amazing game against Chicago, but she was there when they needed her at the very end to get the all full three points. Right. Um, and so, but you also look at, I don't like uh, the left wing Brie Vasali really struggled against Casey Kruger in, um, in the Chicago game. Um, you look at maybe they can utilize Gabby Seiler differently. She's someone who she is probably a little bit stronger as a center back or a number six. And one would think that she will play there for Houston when Sophie Schmidt is away at the Olympics, but she's not playing that for them right now. And so she was out of play being played kind of out of position on Wednesday. That wasn't super effective. So it's just like the little question marks. And I think in this league, if you have any part of the field where you have those little question marks, somebody's going to exploit that, right? Right. I mean, it's a really, I mean, that's the great thing I think about the NWSL this season is that it's remarkably competitive. Yeah. But going back to the dash specifically, I, they're a team that I think relies a lot on those individual performances. They either lift them up or if those players aren't firing, then the, or maybe if they're not even there, like mm-hmm. you were talking about Christy Mewis, and right. it's not the same for them. That right, the big question for them this year is can they use last year's victory in the Challenge Cup 
as a building block to create, uh, to be a team that is competitive in this league. And I think they're definitely going to be competitive, you know, even in the game that they lost, they didn't lose because they were, I mean, they weren't the, they weren't the worst team in that game at worst. They were even right. So they're always going to be competitive, but it's about now. I think the question has evolved to, can they hit the high levels that they want to that high intensity that makes them really fun to watch without, you know, their, their top players. That's going to be a fun, that's going to be a fun thing to watch, or maybe it won't be a fun thing to watch actually, but (laughs) it it is kind of funny that they are. um, It's like they are the victims of their own high expectations that they've won for themselves. Right. This is a team that had such a wildly successful 2020 that our expectations for them are quite high. (laughs) And, and despite the fact that they're doing many things well, we started this season by saying things like they have one of the most competitive starting 11s in the whole league and they have a club identity now. And what we're seeing is something that we know to be true. And it's also absolutely not a death sentence to their season, but it's really hard. You talk about North Carolina, like the mentality monsters, it's really, really hard to maintain the integrity of that kind of a playing style and a mentality when you're playing three games in eight days or when you're playing 24 games in a season. And so they're going to have to manage the ebbs and the flows. Don't get, you you know, your highs can't get too high and your lows can't get too low. And so we're seeing Houston figure that out in real time. And I think there's a lot of hope for them. They're going to win a lot of soccer games, but an interesting week. And I think that the good news for them is I don't think they should be internalizing some fear that the underperforming is going to continue. I think it's more a reality of you're going to have some good games and you're going to have some rough games and you need to figure out how to turn that into a season that you can be proud of. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Awesome. So moving to number seven. So we're getting down, we're getting down into the teams who are probably not where they would like to be in terms of points, um, but still some promising performances. Uh, in seventh, we have our other, our other team that only played one game this week, or one of the other teams that only played one game this week. We have OL rain and they came back. So interesting. They kind of came back down to earth from that Cascadia game, which was an all timer, right? Legendary Cascadia game. They play the Washington spirit this weekend and Oh gosh. What a funny starting 11, huh? (laughs) They are a funny team. I love them. I think it's great. Um, they did not start a defensive midfielder. They have one, they have a very good one in Quinn, but they have been coming back from, uh, I think it's an Achilles Achilles tension. They're just not ready to go yet, but, um, they did not play as defensive midfielder. It was all attack all the time. They have center backs as their fullbacks. They, Basically, it's basically a backline of four center backs. And you look at that and you think, oh, wow, this is kind of scary. But also, they had Rose Lavelle. And so really high upside, kind of scary downside, right? Yeah. And that all attack that they want, that they were trying to go for and to come out with zero goals. Talk about downside. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It only works if it works, right? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I have been underwhelmed by the rain for now, what more or less a year at this point, but I think in the last week or so there's, they've started to come into their own. They 
started they're looking like a team that has a vision although i mean some of it can be chaotic which i inherently respect i don't know if that's necessarily the way to win the way to win soccer games but i respect chaos as an entertainment <laughs> product it's wonderful i you're right i'm not sure that it's again that idea of sort of nwsl pragmatism of getting grinding the points out or whatever um right they bet on being able to score some goals in this game and they weren't able to and i think that that is probably their main concern um they only gave up one and i think based on the way they set the team up i think they know what their defensive weaknesses are i think they probably are expecting to be able to problem solve out of that and so the issue is when that problem solving doesn't occur However, I thought Lavelle looked great. She looked yeah. about as healthy as she's looked in a really long time. She was dribbling out of like one V fours. She was in her interplay. I thought with Megan Rapino was really highly intelligent, really good football. I liked that Ziara King started at the nine. I think that she's going to be very important for them as a steady hand kind of through the rest of the season as, as international step out. Um, but yeah, it's, um, they had, as we said, when we were talking about the spirit, they had one really bad moment from their goalkeeper. <laughs> They're bringing a different goalkeeper in who is known for some chaotic moments in front of goal, but their quality is so high that I think what we're testing out here really is if you have all of the best footballers, because they have all come to your club and you put them all on the field do you win games in this league? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just put on. So, right. It really is just put out the best players. And there is, there's a joke. I'm there's a, I go on into a tangent. Is everybody ready? Okay. Um, Hit me. Yeah. So I'm, I might've said this on the podcast before, but I'm a, I'm a Tottenham fan. So I follow, I follow both the men's and the women's team with many years ago Harry Redknapp was coaching the men's team. And I don't know if this is a quote or this is a joke in a group chat that I'm in. I'm pretty sure there's some reality attached to it, but that his tactics at one point were frab fucking run around a bit (laughs) after just putting his players on. So maybe that's what the rain is going for. And like I said, will like we're saying, will they win soccer games? Who knows? Will it be chaotic? Probably. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some beautiful games from them. Honestly, I think they're going to have some really lovely moments, but the question will be right over the course of the season, what that looks like. I think they're going to be fine. I think that um, they have a good mix of veteran leadership and the young guns. And I think that that's going to, well, when we saw it come together in that Cascadia game, you think, okay, they know what they're doing. The mentality is there. Um, I still think that there are some managerial questions even just from the roster construction you know you're like did does Fareed Ben Steady have enough of a balanced approach to get them where they want to be but I think they're the kind of team that they make one of those top six slots I wouldn't want to play them in the postseason so um I like the rain a lot I'm fascinated to kind of see how this goes right there's a there's there's like an inherent fun that is attached to this team that they're starting to click and they they're I mean with Rose Lavelle and I mean I think Ciara King had a great game mm-hmm. against uh the spirit I th- they're going to be fun at times going forward I'm looking forward to that yeah well or, or at least you hope right I think the worst yeah, case scenario yeah. is that somehow it becomes not 
fun, despite looking very fun on paper. So um, we've seen glimpses of it. We've also seen how it doesn't work as well all the time. So uh, the rain, that's the rain in seventh. All right, we got our bottom three here. Uh, this is our, no, no, actually, this is our second to last of our four point teams. Uh, though this is the team currently with the worst goal differential at negative four, though, as we all know, they put themselves in quite a hole in week one. Uh, yes, we are going to talk about the Chicago red stars. Now I have been tough on this team on this podcast. I am starting to feel a lot better about them though. Um, I think the question will always be, you know, they are on their own journey. Is it enough to compete with everybody else? I think is the ongoing question because we are talking about a team that won a game and lost a game, but it's starting to come together and I am starting to have fun watching it, which I think is something that wasn't always there at the beginning of the year. They uh, midweek traveled to Kansas city. They did beat Kansas city two to nothing on goals from Kaylee Watt and Mackenzie Doniak. Uh, you could see how much that meant to the team to get those goals. They were really, really excited. It felt like a real breakthrough. First um, goals of the regular season, right? Isn't that wild? Yes. First yeah. goal of the regular season, first win of the regular season. Um, and then that Houston game, which for all intents and purposes, from my perspective, I think that was the best they've played all year. Um, that and second they, half, especially, yeah, they looked great. They had the, the 60, like the 30 minutes from minute 45, um, or sorry, the 30 minutes from minute 45 to the end, um, I think was, was really impressive and yet, right. Some similar themes couldn't get that goal to go ahead, even though they really had the run of play in the second half, which actually that's progress from them because in some other games this year, they've come out of halftime and looked kind of flat. They looked a little bit like they lost some of the intensity coming out of the half. That's not what happened this time. Um, I think now is the time to talk about the officiating because Rory James had some very pointed things to say about the officiating this week. And I think he did a good job of not framing it as sour grapes. It didn't seem like a a coach that was just saying this because he was mad that they lost. I think that, He knew, you know, right. When you openly criticize the referees in this league, you probably have a fine coming. So you got to take your shot and you got to say what you mean when you say it. And he basically said, and I agree with him. And I, you know, this is me. I watch that team very closely. I do, I do game day coverage for them. So when he was talking about the missed penalties, um, one was, and you can argue if it was soft or an NWSL pen or whatever, but There was a foul against Katie Johnson in the Kansas city game. Uh, Mariana Laroquette kind of took her legs out from under her and that scrum in front of goal in like the 36 minute or so. That was one where you look at it and you say, Oh my gosh, how does Chicago not score? Well, Chicago says, well, we were fouled. Um, (laughs) There was another moment in this Houston game after halftime where there was another scrum in front of goal. Uh, Again, you say, Oh, how does Kayla Sharples not score that? Well, she says, well, I was fouled. (laughs) Um, And so I think that there's legitimate frustration, not only in how it's affecting competition, but it's an issue of player safety at this point, the way fouls are being let go. And then the other example that he gave was one that was quite frankly, just completely unprofessional from the center ref where um, Alyssa Nair had the ball at her feet and 
the fans shout out to the fans, honestly, because they did the thing that fans do is they were counting up. They were doing, they were counting like it was the six second rule, um, which is that you can't just hold on to the ball as a goalkeeper for longer than six seconds. Though, honestly, when you see it done, it's more like 10, but, um, it, she was not holding onto the ball. It was at her feet. It successfully rattled the center ref enough though, that the center official was about to penalize Nair for not kicking the ball, putting it into play. It's not a rule. Uh, the center ref was told that by one of the other officials. And the way that the ref dealt with that was to pick the ball up, carry it out of the box so that Nair couldn't pick it up if she'd wanted to drop it on the ground. And now Rachel Daly is running at a full sprint at Alyssa Nair and Nair has to kick it out of bounds. Um, did not affect the outcome of the match, but whoa, that's bad, it was, right? It was like the, it was easily one of the weirdest things I've ever seen happen in a soccer game. And yeah. soccer is actually a weird sport where lots of things happen. I, I could not understand it. I think we have talked about this before. It can be really hard to explain, to at least explain it to yourself the rationale of NWSL refs from time to time. It's not just, it's not just a matter of inconsistency. There, there is inconsistency in refereeing, but it just, it, it's hard to explain why refs sometimes wouldn't be interested in calling fouls, but then would be such, oh, this one ref would be such a stickler for a rule that about goal about holding on to the ball a goalkeeper doing that when it's basically an industry standard to not be very harsh about it. it and it also it's it's telling that the ref got confused you know i think that we've seen whether it's oversteps you know too many cards that was one of the other things dams was talking about where there are some players i mean you even think about gosh like Jennifer Cujo for Gotham gets called for stuff all the time that other players do not get called for. And if you don't know what a reasonable foul is, you're going to either be overly penalized and have it affect your team competitively, or you're going to take another person's foot off (laughs) because you can, you're being allowed to. So, um, I thought that, I thought that Dames had a point. I think that he did not say anything that was overly disrespectful or personal. He's right though, that this is a big problem and it's one that the league should care about as stewards of the product. What's to be done. I don't know. This is a major systemic issue um, with PRO. Um, But anyway, so, so putting all of that aside, you know, we're going to be talking about the refs every week. It's just, uh, But let's just talk a little bit about Chicago itself. Uh, Mallory Pugh is looking about, talk about someone looking healthy. She looks about as healthy as she's ever looked as a professional. She has a banger of a goal in that Houston game. She has two assists in the Kansas City game. She's playing herself into the potential that we've always seen from her. And that's really exciting. And kudos to Chicago for getting her to that point, right? Yeah, I mean, Mallory Pugh, when she ended up getting traded to the red stars. It seemed like a great place for her to finally realize that potential. And, you know, you're talking about it the other way. 
This is a Chicago team that now has ha- is still in the midst of that narrative of replacing Sam Kerr and now replacing Yuki, Yuki Nagasato. And replacing them directly, I, I'm not going to say Mallory Pugh is doing that, but she's obviously a player who has the potential to fill that goal-scoring void or goal-creating void. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not just her, right? Like Kelly Watt scored a, a really terrific nice goal. goal. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of terrific goals this week. Mm-hmm. Um, for well, that was the Red Stars' first goal this regular season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the the pieces are there to eventually get this team back to a place where you're not worrying where those goals are anymore. And I think we're finally starting to see that. And maybe Mallory Pugh. Is, will lead the way, but even if she's not the leader leader of that, if she can continue on this form, which I feel that she's very capable of doing, then that's going to work out just fine for both her and the Red Stars. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, what we're seeing with them as well is we're seeing them kind of figure out a new leadership structure. Cause I think in 2019, you had two really huge pillars which were Julie Ertz and Sam Kerr in, in terms of kind of moving people around and, and helping be that the, the vocal leaders on the field. Um, they have neither of those players right now. And so you're seeing Tierna Davidson step up. She's really kind of commanding that back line. Now uh, you're seeing Morgan Gatra in the midfield be very active. She's another player I think is playing really well for Chicago right now. And yeah, you're seeing Pew and Watt specifically, um, ask for what they want a little bit more and a little bit louder. And I think that that is starting to, to pay dividends for them. Um, Mackenzie Doniak, I think also had a good game in that Kansas city game and Chicago should be happy with three goals in, in two games. That's progress for them, but the points are still just not there. I think that that is just the main thing, which is it's great that they're getting better. It's great that the performances are improving and that they are becoming a team that is actually finally figuring out this new identity um, but they have to keep pace on points because we are talking about it. We're talking about a lot of good soccer teams here. Right. And so I'm really interested to see what happens. They think they're going to be fine. I think they totally could be. Um, but there are a lot of good teams in this league. Yeah. Could be great. Could be fine. That's probably the right way to frame it. I'm just happy that I'm seeing signs of progress. Cause Absolutely. I was, I was not enjoying being underwhelmed by the Chicago red stars. You're telling me. All right. <laughs> so that's, that's that on Chicago. Um, we got two more to go here. Now, these are the teams where maybe we're saying, okay, we're seeing some trends here and they are perhaps not the most positive, but not completely unexpected, right? Um, this team that we're going to talk about, this is the last team that is sitting on four points. So they are in line with all of these other teams who are sitting on four. Um, but Louisville got creamed this week, right? Um, in a way that perhaps is not wholly unexpected. And you wonder, you know, you can't coast on good vibes forever, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely true. I mean, like I said earlier, if you're gonna play the courage and they're gonna show up like that, then it's really hard to put in a performance better uh, a, a different type of performance than what Louisville did, but I, I'm going to say that right now I'm still more impressed with their overall body of work. 
I think they've been more competitive than I expected them to be, but you know, I guess we'll see if it lasts again. They played a courage team that wanted to just, Oh my gosh. They really wanted to make a statement that day. They right. really yes. did. Yes. So I won't hold it against Louisville too much. Cause I don't think it mattered who the opponent was that day. I, think I agree. Yeah. Do that. I completely agree. I think Louisville's biggest issue right now is that they don't really have a defensive midfield that's working. And so I think the way you attack them is very obvious. And I think that other teams are going to do that. And I'm not sure Louisville has the capability to stop them. Um, But, you know, the positives are still there. They just weren't there this week, right? So Emily Fox is still quite good. Yuki Nagasato is very good. Savannah McCaskill is good. They're getting Ebony Salmon. So they're going to have more of a free-flowing attack. Um, That core it's it's the core of the defensive midfield in the center backs where they are just very vulnerable and if you play against a team that is hitting the way that North Carolina was they're going to make you pay and so I don't think that Louisville is going to have many five nothing drubbings in their future but I do think that teams are going to score on them and so what they need to do is figure out how to um, play that game and then eventually win it I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess outscoring your opponent is an idea. Yeah. I mean, we got some, there are some teams who are riding that train right now. Um, so yeah, so a week for Louisville to forget, you just got to have a short memory, keep going. This is a free year for them. They have all the positives that they can take away, but I think that this might not be the first or the only tough loss that they suffer this year, but, um, Yeah, honestly, not much to say about them because they did not do a lot in this game. (laughs) So uh, we'll uh, we'll just put we'll put a a button on Louisville for now and uh, we'll talk about them more in the future. So we have now our final team, our team sitting in 10th. Now, to be clear, they are two points off of that group in the middle. They only they have two points. They're two points off. They are only eight points behind the league leaders we are talking about very small margins kansas city is still looking to look dangerous um they're struggling a little bit i think that if there was any team that was the least set up for this early season short rest three game match week it's them uh they lost to chicago two to nothing as as we mentioned in our chicago segment in a game that they did not play poorly at all. They had a few really nice chances at the beginning of the match. Um, And then they faded a little bit in the second half. And that's what hurt them uh, when they conceded the goals. And then in their game against Orlando this weekend, that starting 11 and absolutely no disrespect to anybody who played in that game, that starting 11 is going to struggle to keep up with everybody else. They had to do a lot of rotation because of the heavy week. And you take some of those pieces out. You take Amy Rodriguez out. You take Michelle Vasconcelos out for whatever reason. Kate Delfava is not playing a lot for them. Lola Bonta is still injured. Their injury report is still quite long. Um, it could be a long, it could be a long season for them, but those, those positives are still there. Um, kind of like Louisville, they got chances in the, in the, in the Chicago game. They really did. That game could have gone differently if they had been able to land some of those in the beginning of the match. Um, and the players that we already knew are good for them are, are still quite good, but 
they feel almost as much like an expansion club as Louisville does, right? Yeah, 100%. That's that was that was exactly what I was thinking. I'm not that surprised that the two basically the two expansion clubs are at the bottom of this table. The thing about Kansas City that's a positive. Again, they're they're competitive. They they held their own for a while against Chicago, like you said, and then you describe it well, they faded. I I think this will probably just be a theme for them all year. They don't really have the depth to I, I they don't they just don't have the depth compared to a lot of the other teams. Louisville don't either. So I think I think probably the right approach for them is to treat this like a free year too. They're yeah. go because if they they're going they're going to do a lot of things well. They have Amy Rodriguez. They ha- they have Michelle Vasconcelos. You mentioned those two players have done really well for them when they've played. So they'll be they'll be fine for an expansion team that was kind of just rushed into everything. But I I think this the what are they they played they played twice this week. They did. It will be emblematic of how the season goes. I think if. I'm not willing to put a lot of predictions on for a, uh, for a lot of teams, but I think we basically have an idea of what Kansas City is. Yeah, I agree. I think, and what that team is, is, is a team that works very hard. I think they have a coherent game plan. I just think that um, the roster construction just isn't there. And I think that, right. but the good news about that is, so you're collecting data and you will, Hugh Williams knows how to put a team together they will figure that out. They might even make changes. You know, they might even have the ability to do that as the season progresses. I also think they're going to win games. I I just don't know where that first win is going to come from yes. exactly. And because it's the NWSL, you never know when that day is coming, but it will come eventually. Right. Um, it's just, it's early days for them. If they, I said that they don't have the depth. If they add some more, if they sign some more players, even before the season is up, that's right. going to change. Yeah. The, it, it's just early days for them. There's a decent enough foundation, but it, it it really is just like level one on that. Right. Right. I mean, it's in, just in the time. Yes. And as you were saying, like, you know, no crest, no name. They're still figuring stuff out. I do want to, I do want to shout out the, their home opener though, which was that Wednesday game against Chicago. Um, despite being a Wednesday night, I think they had over 5,000 people there and that has to be very exciting. The, the foundation is there. It's, it's going to be a good club in that they're doing all the right things, but they look like a club that came into existence about, you know, three to four weeks before preseason started, which is the case. Um, yeah. so yeah, so, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to talking about the Kansas City win. I think it will come eventually. Um, we'll just kind of have to see how that goes. And I'm excited just to see the whole development of that club. We're going to find out a lot of stuff about them in like the next year, basically. That's so true. <laughs> right, exactly. They don't even um, have a name yet. Yeah. They will. They just don't yet. They just don't yet. Oh, <laughs> what, you don't want them to keep Kansas City NWSL? You don't like that? I mean, it's <laughs> it it's specific. That's true. It's very, it's specific. It's descriptive. Yes. They are the Kansas City NWSL team. They can right. keep the color if they want. I like the colors. Yeah, I think that the colors yeah. are great. All right, very good. So that is a rundown of the current NWSL table. Uh, take a picture, engrave it in your memory because it will not stay this way for very long. Um, but 
good games, honestly, good games, some fun results, some expected results. Uh, and we're starting to see the story develop for a lot of these teams. And I'm very excited about that. Yep. Um, any final thoughts on the week? A lot of great goals, a lot of great games. It's going to be a competitive season. Who doesn't like the chaos? Yeah, I agree. And NWSL is NWSLing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> as <right>. we like. <laughs> That's right. That's why we're here. All right. Thanks so much, Party, for talking to me today. Uh, I am Claire Watkins. I am your host. This has been this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and we will have a whole new slate of games and I'm sure some other chaotic things to discuss next time. Everybody have a good week.